Welcome to the Pro Aging Podcast. I'm Steve Gurney, founder of Positive Aging Sourcebook. We're excited that you can join us for our interactive discussions with pioneers and thought leaders on a wide variety of topics related to aging and longevity. Today, we have another live and interactive discussion co-hosted with JK Moving Services and featuring a panel of professionals dedicated to assisting older adults and their loved ones with moving, downsizing, and organizing solutions. Our panel includes Gail Huberman of Market Pro Home Buyers, Donna Eichelberger of Graceful Transitions, and Anton Vanas of Long & Foster Real Estate. So let's jump into the discussion. For uh, a sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, for a few tips um, on uh, the moving and the downsizing, you go to the next one, Steve. Um, the first, we have four tips. You know, the first one is is create a move file. Um, things you're you're keeping, things you're getting rid of, settlement papers, uh, whatever it is, realtor papers. Uh, whoever you're engaging during the move, uh, start a file with all the receipts. It's, it's great around tax time. The next thing we uh, suggest is get three written estimates from qualified movers. Uh, if you've used a mover for a long time and you know them and you trust them and you like them and you probably uh, are used to the way they do business. Um, but for anybody who doesn't, uh, three estimates uh, they should all be within 10, 15% of each other. If one is too high or too low, probably something either not communicated properly or added into the estimate. Uh, the third thing is, is get your rights and responsibilities uh, pamphlet. Uh, that's from the U.S. Department of Transportation. It tells everybody uh, what the movers are really truly regulated with and for, and what uh, the rights and uh, your responsibilities, what you need to do, what the movers need to do. It just puts everybody on the same page. And the fourth thing is, is that you have items that movers shouldn't be moving, can't move, um, whether it's jewelry, your legal documents, um, stocks, bonds, plants, things of those natures that can't be replaced. Uh, I usually say, put them in a suitcase, put them in the trunk of your car, get them out of the house so that there is no mistake uh, where or when, because sometimes if you put them in a closet, then the packers are in there and they're packing up like crazy. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, where's that box of papers? You put them in your car, uh, chances are you, you're going to know where they are the next day. So. Great. And uh, I, uh, I was able to throw the, um, uh, the link to that Department of Transportation Rights and Responsibilities document into the chat for folks. So, well, Great. really good uh, tips there, Tom, as always. Uh, however, we really do miss, uh, miss um, Shauna, but she'll be back on uh, next month or into December. Yep, absolutely. These discussions. Okay. We're about ready to um, bring on our panel, but I got a, just a couple more slides that I want to share. I want to give a shout out to Maryland Relay 
They're our, the sponsor of the pro-aging discussions this month. And if you're not familiar with Maryland Relay, it's an amazing free program that provides captioned telephones and other communication devices. It's absolutely free of charge. It blows people's mind to know that there's a service out there like this and, and they have to market, market it. We all pay for the relay services when we pay our phone bills. And um, so if you know somebody, a client, a loved one, or even yourself, if you're having difficulty communicating on the phone or communicating in general, reach out to Maryland Relay if you're in Maryland, but if you're, reach out to Maryland Relay if you're not in Maryland and they'll connect you with the relay service in the state that you're in. Just a reminder to go to proaging.com if you wanna see the recording of this this afternoon. If all of our recordings, all of our calendar of, of events are up there, we've got a career center, we've got a provider search, and you can see them and order the most recent copies of Positive Aging Sourcebook as well. And um, on that note, uh, tomorrow we're gonna have another panel presentation on how to pay for care. We've got an elder law attorney, an aging life care manager, and life care affordability plan. That's gonna be a great discussion. On Friday, we've got author, uh, the author of the book, Your Caregiver Relationship Contract, contract which will be a really good discussion. And then tomorrow, if you're not doing anything, there's a mini conference for family and professional caregivers hosted by the Inova uh, Parkinson Center. So got a few things uh, to finish out the month and the week for you. And with that, let's get this discussion started. So um, I would love to welcome our panel members, Gail Huberman, Donna Eichenberger, and Anton uh, Venus onto the screen, and I'm, I think I'm going to have to prompt for Gail there, because um, I turn, okay, okay, great, we got everybody. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, again, for those of you who have never been to one of these discussions, what we strive to do is spotlight some experts in the field of moving, organizing, and downsizing, and have these open forums on what can be a rather difficult and confusing topic. And the beauty of having panels like this is, is that these folks are seeing people move and downsize on a daily basis. And so a lot of times they can present ideas, solutions, and options that we may or may not have thought of that we can share with our clients, our loved ones, or use for, there's been a few tips that I've been using for myself on um, some of these discussions. So sort of the way that we format these discussions is round one is we get to know our panel members. Uh, round two, they share some tips, ideas, solutions. And round three, that's about you in the audience. We want your feedback, your ideas, um, throw logs on the fire and let's have a fun, engaging and informative discussion. So um, what I'd like to, who I'd like to start with, with the um, getting to know the panel members is Donna Eichenberger, who is with Eichelberger, I'm sorry, who's with Graceful Transitions. And for, Donna is a, uh, a, a move manager, senior and specialty move manager. Um, and this is a profession that didn't exist 
30 years ago when I was first in this business, but it's really thriving now. And Tom, you would say that you love it when you're uh, when your move clients come and they're working with the move manager, wouldn't you? Move managers, they're, they're like gold. They organize. When we go into the home, we know what boxes to move, what, what um, furniture to take. And then when we get to the new location, usually there's a layout, there's a plan for us to put the items exactly where they need to go. Yeah. So, so the move manager, it's almost like a wedding plan. You can do your own wedding if you want to, but if you use a wedding planner, boy, that's you don't you can sit back and just you know tell them what to do. So Donna, um, let's get to know you a little bit better and uh, tell us a little bit about your career path and what led you to the profession of move management. Yeah, well, thank you, Steve, and good afternoon to the attendees. Am I being heard? Okay, I was just yep. worried about that. Okay, great. Great. So um, my story is rather similar to so many other uh, senior move managers in that I had the opportunity uh, three decades ago to help my in-laws break up housekeeping in Pittsburgh uh, for a move to Florida. Uh, but what was a little bit different about my experience is that prior to the Prior to D-Day, <laughs> my sister-in-law actually pulled me aside and she said, I cannot do this. I cannot interact with my mother. I need for you to take over. And it was at that point that I realized that perhaps an objective party is best in helping with the uh, decisions because so many times, as you know, Steve, they're emotional decisions. You know, you're not dealing with just the paper towels and the, you know, <laughs> whatever in the house. These are things that have been with you for so many years. And uh, even myself, I fall into the category of picking up something that belonged to my grandmother and looking at it and uh, trying to make a decision on what to do with it. And I end up uh, putting it back in the cabinet because I, I just can't face it. Uh, she gave that to me. I don't use it. Um, so I, ha I have to work on some of those things myself. And I may need to bring in a professional actually to have that conversation, you know, what to do. So, so, so that's how so I got involved. You, it, well, so you went through this experience and then you formed your own company, Graceful Transitions, correct? I did. I did. Um, and actually, that all started. I, I had an employer, but uh, as time marched on, my father uh, fell into, um, he, he had a very uh, serious illness. And I found that I needed to break away from my employer to be able to spend more time with him, taking him to doctors. And uh, I thought the only way that I can do this is to start my own company. So I was doing it in tandem, taking care of my parents, as well uh, creating a business. Well, very challenging. I I don't think I've had the energy to do it today. That's been almost twenty years ago, but uh, so we we made it work, and and it was good. It was it was very rewarding. I saw my parents through to the end, and. Um, now, were you one of the original uh, members of the National of Association? No, yeah. no, I was not. But I did come on the heels of the uh, founding members. I believe they started 
in 2003 and I came on, I came on board in 2007. So it's just behind. Great, but I would great. really say that around 2006, 2007, the industry itself really started to ramp up. Yep, I agree. Okay, well, this is fantastic. And now just in closing, you've now passed the torch and you're- um, uh, I have, yes, okay. yes. My nephew, actually, uh, interesting quick story. My sister-in-law once again interjected and the week that I, I uh, started my company, she said, well, what's your exit strategy? And I thought, my goodness, I'm just starting. I can't begin to think about an exit strategy, but she planted the seed. And just last year, I turned my company over to my nephew, John Newell. And so we continue to do the downsizing. I am still fully engaged in the company, more on a part-time basis, but I'm there to shepherd uh, the employees. And John has brought moving services into. Con congrats on, um, on yeah. an interesting and beneficial career. Okay, well, Tom, you want to take a pick at who we meet next? Yeah, sure. Um, I'd like to introduce Gail Hoverman. Uh, Gail, this is a, a new industry that we haven't had on any of these segments in the past, um, a home buying uh, company. So can you tell us a little bit about your involvement, how you got in it, and what uh, Market Home Market Pro can do for us? Sure, uh, I'd love to. Real quickly, my computer is saying that I need permission to be seen. I'm, I'm guessing I'm only being seen by Steve. Is that correct? No, no, we, we can see no, you. We see you. Oh, okay, great. Then I unfortunately cannot see you guys, but I'm more than happy to tell you a little bit about me and uh, Mark Pro Home Buyers. So basically my background is in um, the real estate arena. I was previously a real estate agent years ago, but I am not now. I actually worked in the commercial real estate arena, um, but then became um, a pretty much a stay-at-home mom and worked part-time for a specialty advertising company. And it was not until my grandmother, who was my sole responsibility, um, took a fall. She lived in the Baltimore area and um, went into the hospital and went from living completely independently to needing to go immediately into assisted living. And it was very difficult for me because I was an hour away and I had to figure out the entire process. And then once I got her situated, I had her home that needed, you know, I, I, I needed to figure out what to do with all the stuff and, and her home and everything. Um, so I, I stumbled through it, honestly, and it was very difficult. And about a year later, I came across Market Pro Home Buyers. And once I, I learned what they did, I saw such a need for it since um, I had just been through the process. So basically, I'll tell you a little bit about um, Market Pro Home Buyers is um, basically a resource um, for many seniors who have difficult properties to sell or who are overwhelmed with the process of getting their home market ready for a, a realtor. And what we do is we will buy the property as is for cash and we'll close on the homeowner's timeline. Um, and basically that eliminates the need for any inspections, appraisals, renovations, and there's no need to clean up and show the property. Um, it also adds a benefit because a lot of times the homeowners, you know, they've been there many years and they don't have to have a set close date. So if they want to move sooner, let's say they, like my grandmother had an emergency where they needed to sell immediately or 
you know, they might be waitlisted in a community and not know it could be six months before they move to that community. They have the flexibility with that close date. Um, so basically how it works is the homeowner would work with um, either themselves or a downsizer to figure out uh, what they want to sell and then work with the movers to what they want to move. And then whatever is left in the property, we take care of. So we handle um, all the final clean out of the property. We don't care how much or how little is left. Um, I, I would say the most, you receive the most benefit from our service when your home is dated, um, distressed, or has a large clean out. Um, that, it, that is where you're going to get the most benefit from our services. Um, I would say if your house is in excellent condition, we usually recommend that you work with a realtor because the process is going to be a lot more minimal for you than it would be a, a property that's distressed. That's great. No, this has uh, really opened my eyes to how that option works in home sales. This, this is fantastic. So now, um, Anton, you're a, you're a realtor. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and how you started working with older adults and in your practice and, and how that works. Sure. Um, absolutely. Thank you very much, Steve. Um, I was actually in the biotechnology industry for about 20 years before this. And then uh, we had a facility that was basically moving and we got involved uh, with the real estate agents and we got involved with you know, the architects, the builders and everything. And I started to work pretty heavily on that front. And from there, it just became a very natural kind of progression for me to move into the real estate side of it. Ended up basically quitting my job. I became an agent, I'm tri-state licensed um, in the DC area. And I've been doing this for about six or seven years right now. Um, prior to that, I'd also done a few home flips. And um, at the time I became an agent, I just really started to focus on people who are my age and older. And then I saw there's a need because there are a lot of people that were coming out of the DC area who were trying to basically head south or you know to a warmer climate and uh, were needing assistance in how to make that, that change, that progression. They're starting to retire. And you know that became a niche for me. And I started to work with older people who needed that that service. And, you know, I, I understand it. Um, I'm very comfortable, I guess, doing it now. And uh, it's, it's something that I specialize in. I love it. All right. Well, what a great panel we've got this month, uh, Tom. Uh, now let's dive into the, the section that I always like is sort of hearing some of the stories, tips, ideas, solutions that might help folks in our audience or the people that they're working with. And um, the, uh, we can just sort of go back to the order that we started with. Donna, as a senior move manager, any sort of words of wisdom or uh, items that you would like to share with our audience? And I, I, before you answer that, I also want to remind our audience, we want this to be um, interactive. And so start throwing your questions in and we'll add fuel to the fire. I see one just came in, but uh, um, that we can jump on. But but Donna, if you'd like to share um, some insights that might help our audience. Sure, well, thank you. Uh, so the first thing that comes to mind is um, being proactive. Uh, there have been too many, uh, I've, I've witnessed too many heartaches where 
my clients have really um, perhaps um, become incapacitated to going through the process of downsizing. You know, it's something that they think about, but they never take that next step and actually do the work that's necessary to go through the cabinets and the closets. Um, you know, I had a client I remember who took a terrible fall and she lived in a very large house and she needed to be rehabbed. And the tragedy was she wasn't not allowed to return to her home of 50 years. So she had uh, no adult children. We had to call a niece up in the Boston region who came down and it was just our company and the niece making the decisions on what to keep and what to get rid of. And that was, you know, she was uh, such a, um, a player in all of it in that, you know, even from a distance, she, she had a good attitude, but we could very well have uh, found ourselves with a client who really wasn't able to handle the emotional side of the uh, downsizing process. So I really encourage my clients to, you know, take the first step. The most important thing I feel is to make the decision to move forward with a downsizing project. That, that's a big step. And if you can say, yes, I'm going to downsize, uh, then be thinking about how are you going to start the process? Um, what are your goals? Can you list one or two major goals? And, and then from there, start listing the tasks that are necessary to reach the one goal or several goals. For example, think about your house and where would you like to start in your house? Is it a bedroom? Is it a kitchen? Is it an area you use frequently or not so frequently? Um, what are you trying to, to, to get at? Um, for many of our clients, it's to start perhaps in the basement, areas that are not being utilized. Um, there's a lot of large items in the basement. Uh, you know, once those large items are out the door, it gives you a sense of satisfaction to get a couch out the door or a freezer that's been down in the basement forever that's no longer working, getting it out the door. Um, if it's a room, I suggest, and I don't care where you start, there's no right or wrong way to, to starting this process. But if you choose to start, let's say in your family room, I would suggest stay in the family room until the project is complete. Because if you find yourself flitting around from room to room, then you're not going to have this sense of accomplishment. But if you stay in the family room and you get it all squared away and then you can, you know, take a step back and, and feel good about it and reward yourself and say, hey, it might take you a month or more, but you can feel good about it once you get that done. So what are your goals? Um, how do you reach that goal? What are, what are the steps you need to take to reach that goal? And this, again, goes back to being proactive, doing it while you are able, while you have the mobility and you know, being able to think it through. You know, so many times we uh, rely on our adult children to step in for us to do this. And while they have the best of intentions, they cannot always be there for us. They have very busy lives. And quite frankly, I'm not quite sure, you know, you want that mother-daughter thing going on. I saw that, I witnessed, I witnessed it on a daily basis, but I really personally felt it when my sister-in-law came to me and said, hey, I really need your help with mom. I can't handle her. It might be good to have an objective party step in.
I love it. Yeah, I'm just and, thinking and, from a social worker perspective, I'm a social worker. So oh, you, I'm all oh, about you know the, that about your background, but it definitely yeah. comes through in your suggestions. And 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 I, I right, right before you told us where to start, I like the basement and the rooms that you don't use. Jeannie Smith asked for suggestions on where to start, and those those were really good. I think you know starting in rooms that you're not necessarily using every day, and then and then making sure that you complete it so that you feel that sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. I love those, those two suggestions. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, we have somebody, uh, Gail, that's uh, piggybacking on something that you said, and they ask, house is dated, distressed, and has a large move out. So can you give some idea of what kind of value the older person will receive for the home and how long they continue to live in the home once purchased? What areas does do your purchases take place and are you a national company? So we purchase properties in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area and then up through uh, Pennsylvania. We also have an, an office up in PA. Um, and basically to answer your question, typically most people will move out um, or, or they vacate the property once we purchase the property. We've had a few um, situations where uh, the rental properties and uh, the renters, we've worked out an arrangement with them to stay in, but typically most of the homeowners are, are leaving the home. Um, it's just we will close on their timeline so they can stay as long as they want, um, you know, and, and we'll have a closing date. And if we need to change that closing date, we'll work with them. And then typically to use our services where you walk away from everything and, and we handle everything and we make a cash offer. And that is what you walk away with. There are no other expenses. And it usually comes in, a, you will net. Um, so you take what you net with a realtor and we usually come in about seven to 10% under what you would net if you were to do the whole process yourself. And obviously that would mean renovating the house um, up to the standards of being able to put it on the MLS and doing whatever clean out you need and, and all those expenses. So hopefully that answers that question. That's great. And um, uh, Anton, I, I, there was a few, I dropped in the SRES, Senior Real Estate Specialist designation, which is a designation that you're currently um, in the middle of working on, um, but that's, uh, I dropped in some information on that designation. One of the things that I'd like to throw out there, because we've had a lot of folks on our discussions, you know, there's a lot of realtors that are out there that may have no experience of working with seniors, and the SRES designation is good to acclimate them to um, working with this market, but as you had heard with Anton's background, he's got plenty of experience in working with older adults, but now you're adding this credential to your um, credentials. So it's it's sort of, uh, you know, six one way, half dozen another. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's an extremely helpful thing to do. Um, you know, it, it basically teaches you or it re-educates you on um, the different types of people and the different kinds of generations that are out there that are, you know, coming into retirement, um, what is important to them, um, how to do 1031 exchanges, how to leverage 401ks and so forth and IRAs in order to make the move possible to get to where you are. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of very good information, very, very 
uh, pertinent and very extremely uh, relevant to what we're doing here and helping people. Great. Hey, Tom, I, I have to slam the brakes on because I just start babbling on this stuff. Do you want to take a crack at any of the questions that are coming yeah, in? Sure, from Michelle Higgs. I work with a program that assists homeowners who are uh, considering sharing their home and might need to clean up and discard before they can do it. What kind of tips should we share to get them started? Wow, that's a great question. Home sharing, the golden girl's way of living, right. is a really uh, growing trend for older adults. And uh, any of our panel members have some suggestions. This might be a good one for you, Donna, is sort of the, the homeowner is not leaving the house. They're bringing uh, somebody in who would share their house. Yeah, um, I have a lot of friends who want to give that some consideration, that golden girl kind of thing going on. Um, I would certainly sit down first with the person you're moving in with. I would hate for that friendship. Possibly it is a good friendship. I would, you know, maybe draw up some parameters, you know, have a conversation before moving your stuff in and get an idea of what exactly will fit. Uh, maybe it's... Um, measuring out the space and measuring the existing pieces of furniture is that what you're looking for before bringing it into the home or yeah it sounds like you, you know it's interesting and, and and actually anton may have some tips on this too is is that so let let's say that you you say i want to take on a roommate and it could be your friend but it could also be somebody that you've never met before so there's probably a little bit of staging that should be done. And, and Anton, maybe you can re reference that. But then Donna, I liked your, the direction that you're going in. It might be that this person that comes into this house doesn't necessarily have furniture. And, mm -hmm. and so th they want to move into a furnished bedroom, whereas there may be a situation where the person would be like, well, I'm going to sign a three-year lease and I'd like to have my own belongings in here. Um, you know, this is, I, I love that question, uh, Michelle. Yeah, did, did Anton want to answer that or you want me to jump in? Yeah, Anton, maybe pull back the curtains on what exactly is home staging? It does come up on our discussion, the value of it and how that's done. Yeah, so, I mean, it is very, very property specific is what I find as far as if you're going to stage a home or if you aren't. Um, you have to look at where the home is. You have to also look at the price point, um, look at the supply and the um, local uh, demand in that area, in that neighborhood. And if it's a home that will truly benefit where someone walks in and they can't picture their furniture in there because it may be a funky layout, a strange shaped room. Um, then certainly you can basically come in and you can hire a professional stager to bring furniture into stage. When I stage, I typically do the family room, I'll do the dining area, and I'll just do the master bedroom. And those are the areas that the people who are buying the home are going to focus on the most. They don't really focus on the secondary spaces like a formal dining room or the kids' bedrooms. Um, virtual staging is also something that is getting pretty big now. There's some great uh, software packages, there's a bunch of services out there where you can send a picture of a, an empty room off and they will virtually stage it. You huh. fill out a form online, you 
choose the type of furniture, if it's a traditional, a modern, you know, they have all different choices, the uh, a square table, a round table, a four top, a six top, and you fill out all that form, you send off a blank picture and you get a picture back and it looks very professionally staged. It looks very, very good. And it, it's the value and the function of it is to really allow people to see their stuff in the house. Oh, okay, so this is where the TV goes and the sofa goes here and the coffee table here because sometimes people just can't picture that. Yeah, so uh, actually, uh, Michelle, for your program, the virtual staging might be an interesting option for those clients mm -hmm. that are looking to share their home because you know we want to make it as appealing as possible, but you know obviously you don't want to disrupt the current homeowner situation. So uh, some good tips there. I, um, I'd also I'd like to just chime in um, yeah. because I think it's important that the homeowner um, recognize that less is more. You know, people want to feel like it's their home as well if they're going to be moving in. And I think, and, and Donna, you can comment on this, what I see with a lot of the seniors we work with is that they, you know, value their items way above what the rest of the community would value. We think our things are, they're precious to us, so, so they have great value to us, but a lot of things are, are really trash to others. Um, and I think it's difficult with seniors to get them to understand that. But um, if you work with them and, and, you know, take it slow, you can probably help them get rid of those things that really don't have that much meaning to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the frustrating uh, piece at times when we're moving our seniors into, let's say, retirement communities and they want to bring everything. Um, so we'll, we'll bring as much as possible, certainly. Uh, but then we try to help them to understand when you're standing in that new space, um, it might be just too cluttered and there might be some concerns with safety, uh, accessibility, um, aesthetics. You, you just don't know, you know, your eye, uh, if you've got too much going on in the room, your eye isn't, doesn't quite know where to focus. You know, it's just, it's just um, sometimes a hodgepodge. So uh, again, we, we try to limit the stuff that's coming in just for you know for the functionality and the safety and the aesthetics aspect so and um i just saw a comment in chat from rh levin who says have any of you worked with those who have a reverse mortgage um you, you know I, i'm gonna while you're commenting on this i'm gonna find our discussion and drop it into chat that we we had on reverse mortgages, but um, I've always wondered that from a real realtor or a home buying perspective, the, the concept of a reverse mortgage is, is that you get funding while you're living in the home. And then when you sell the home, the, the bank or whatever, have either of you been involved in a transition transaction with a reverse mortgage? Well, uh, we have. I mean, Market Pro has, um, and it's difficult. It it depends how far into that mortgage they are, because obviously, if they owe more on the home than the home is worth, we're we're really not able to help them. Um, and then, typically, the bank usually ends up taking the property back at the um, end of the day. So it depends where they are in the process for us. But uh, Anton, you can you know. Um, talk about your experience. Yeah, I mean, I've had a pretty similar experience too. Um, I, I had a client who 
fortunately, they didn't get too far into the term of the reverse mortgage. So they still had quite a bit of equity in the house. And after we ran the numbers, it seemed to work for them. And they we're still going to get a check at the end of the day. It's just basically an extra loan against your house. It is they're they're just giving you a check every month. And as they do that, you are increasing the debt load against the house. And um, you're- Each month they become yeah. closer and closer. Right, to they're, the they're closer to owning your house. So <laughs> um, it's not something I would ever advise someone to do, but every single you know situation is different. So we would certainly have to speak to the homeowner. I mean, and I'm not a mortgage guy, so- yeah, I'm yeah, a little out of bounds and, and I can't give advice, but um, in my opinion, it's just not your first option if you don't, if you have other alternatives. Yeah, and I dropped in, we had a discussion on this a few months ago, so you folks can, if you're interested in the reverse mortgage, um, watch that discussion. There was a lot of good questions on that and it sort of, it is, a, it defines the exact customer where this is beneficial is, you know, somebody who's does may or may not have a lot of cash. They want to stay in their home, what have you. But um, Tom, uh, you want to want to pick one of the questions there on the list? Yeah. So uh, I believe Gail was starting, or Don, one of the two, uh, started to talk about you know removing the items from the home. Uh, one of the big big topics of these seminars or these webinars is what to do with it, right? So. I'm sure each one of you have your own suppliers or vendors that take either China or furniture or donations. Can we have a little round table discussion on kind of what you find and uh, who, who you use and what area? Yes, so uh, we first have a conversation with our clients to uh, encourage them to speak to their family first to see if there's any interest. And, and as you all probably know, the answer typically will come back, we don't want anything. And that's a real, um, that's a real letdown for, for many of us. Um, we, we hold out hope as long as we can. <laughs> but uh, beyond family, then we look at the items to see if they're saleable. You know, what can we get for you know, the china or the silver, as you've mentioned, we work with consigners and auction houses. Um, there are actually some liquidators out there. They'll come in and they'll give you a cash offer for some of your things. Uh, and there's also estate sales. Certainly check with um, your community. Some communities uh, do not permit them. Other communities welcome estate sales. Uh, so there are various ways to sell. And certainly there's online. Uh, there are companies local that will do online sales, but we also have eBay if you want a national attention. Um, beyond that, you have charities, uh, and we should not assume that charities are going to take everything because they will not. Uh, and realistically speaking, some things do end up in the landfill. When we are taking a huge um, console TV <laughs> to the charity, they'll say, mm, no way, go away. And it sadly ends up in the landfill. There are just some things uh, that even the charities do not want. So that's pretty much the progression of how we handle. Family, saleables, charity, last on the list would be landfill. Yeah, and, and during the, 
every this this topic comes up in every discussion that we do on moving downsizing and organizing and one of the big heartbreaking things that that mayhar karma is addressing is the older adults emotional attachment to these belongings knowing that they they are so emotionally attached and now nobody wants it their kids don't want it the charity doesn't want it it's got to go to the lands landfill and it's it's heartbreaking any words of wisdom to try to help families that are in this emotional state well this is what i was mentioning before is that um not only do you have these items but they the seniors tend to value these items much higher than what they're really worth so you know if you're to go to a consignment or to sell it and they're they're expecting a lot more money for for these items than what they're getting and i i explained to them that they really need to be grateful to receive anything because it's only going to cost them money at the end of the day whatever you know is left they if if they don't use a, a, a home buying company like ourselves they are going to have to pay to have removed as junk um, and that is is the one thing that we take care of is whatever you have left after you sold off or given away we don't care how much is in the house we will um, take it out at no cost to you that's just part of our service but I think the big issue and hurdle that these seniors need to overcome is that if they get a dollar for their items it's and and somebody's willing to take it out of their their home they have benefited yeah, and I want to, uh, let's see, um, uh, Linda brought up FreeCycle, and I'm just, if you're not familiar with that program, I just dropped it into uh, to chat there. Um, the, um, okay, uh, let's see, what do we got here? Um, uh, uh, Adele says, uh, uh, Logan Galan, don't forget battered women's shelters and groups that help poor people prepare for interviews. Yeah, the, the thing that we, um, yes, sometimes folks are expecting money, but when you think about some of your select items being able to help people that are in need, that's one way to sort of defray that emotional attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Steve, if I may interject, you know, I mentioned being proactive earlier. If you start this process early enough, you can take the time to decide what you would, where you would like your, your things to go. For example, we have clients who have um, their annuals, you know, the yearbooks. And, and if we do it early enough, we can, you know, contact the alma mater and say, gee, would you like the yearbooks? Or uh, I, I have a scrapbook right now in my possession. I'll be taking to one of the local high schools. It dates back to the 1930s. And I can, you know, make that phone call and, but if it's a rush and we have to get the client settled because of perhaps a crisis situation, sometimes you don't have time and that beautiful 1930 scrapbook could end up in the garbage. And I, you know, there, it's, it's gonna take some time to research some of these um, uh, interesting and unusual items, but we can, we can find homes for some of these things. Um, I do want to add, I believe um, Tom asked, somebody had asked, you know, what are some options as far as donating your items? Um, 
And I think we had talked a little bit about religious affiliations. You can go to your you know, church or synagogue and, and see if they'll take items. Um, and there's other organizations out there, but I do recommend, um, especially with COVID that you call and find out if they're taking items. Um, and I've also seen with a lot of them that they really don't want those large items like the armoires. Um, and they're also um, a little leery of, of a lot of the fabric items um, because they worry about um, um, pet infest and and you know infestations. They're worried about homes with pets and and you know um, really don't want a lot of that um, fabric furniture. Um, so that's just something to consider. And then um, there is a group that. Um, will come into the home. A lot of these organizations will tell you, you need to leave it at the curb or take it outside of their home. Um, there is a group called the Wider Circle that um, will come into the home. Again, you have to check because things may have changed through COVID. It keeps back and forth. I, I never know where they're at. But for those larger items, um, they will come in and carry them out of the house for you. And that's a big deal because um, you know, seniors, seniors can't be lifting these things and carrying them out of the house. So just, just a couple of thoughts and options and avenues um, that people can look at as far as donating their items. Um, a couple of questions for all of you. Uh, our, our audience is primarily mid-Atlantic, but lately we've been getting people from all over the country because people are sharing these, these invitations. But uh, um, Donna, what, what geographic region do you serve? Uh, the mid-Atlantic region, uh, typically, but now we do have uh, seniors who um, want to move closer to their adult children, and we will move them. Uh, we'll do that interstate move if necessary, uh, but most of our clients are in the uh, Maryland, Delaware, uh, Northern Virginia area, D.C., Okay, great. And then Gail, I, I think you referenced the, the areas that you serve, but if you could share that again. Yeah, we are um, throughout Maryland, D.C. and the Northern Virginia area and then up into uh, Pennsylvania. And so then, and, and then uh, Anton, what's your primary area that you serve? Um, Frederick to Fredericksburg, Leesburg, over to about Annapolis. So okay, I stay off the Eastern shore, but yeah, if you just draw a big circle around that, I'm tri-state licensed. And then, you know, one of the things, if you're on this discussion and you're sort of thinking about, wow, it'd be great to have a move manager in Ohio or somebody to help my mom in Florida. If you talk to any of our three panel members, they can connect you with colleagues, but then there's the national association of senior and specialty move managers. They've got a database as well as the SRES, senior real estate specialist mm -hmm. has a database. Let's see, um, I see that Adele has her hand raised. Let's see if that's by accident or on purpose. Um, Adele? Yes. Hey, were, did, did you have a question or were you uh, just accidentally pressing the hand raising button? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, just wanted to let them know um, I've had great success with giving personal libraries of professors to university libraries. So if a client is an aging um, professor, you know, they love their books. Um, 
I have had success in getting the entire library donated to a university. Oh, that's great. Um, great, great suggestion. This is what I love about these discussions is because the, the audience is always throwing out these ideas that I never thought of, but you can see where when you suggest to your client or your mom, hey, here's a very productive way that we can um, uh, share your book collection. Um, let's see, Linda has got her hand raised now. Um, and yeah, so, yeah, I was wondering, so some of us are a little younger and not ready to you know, divest of everything yet, but it sounds like it's a good idea to bring someone in much earlier, since we know already our kids don't want this stuff, um, to just see if anything is worth anything now. Because we, I tried to get a mover down in Delaware to take out an old couch. They wanted $800 to do that. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to be in that situation, you know, but, uh, you know, and I found another mover that, that did that. So what are, what are your thoughts about pulling somebody in when we're in their, you know, 60s and 70s and still working? Linda, you are, you are a ray of hope on this, uh, on this discussion because you're somebody who's thinking ahead and you're not, uh, um, you're not throwing this into a crisis mode or your, your family into a crisis mode. I'm, I'm curious at the panel's thoughts on uh, Linda's question about doing this in advance. Yeah, I, I see it as uh, information gathering. So bring in an expert or two, it could be an auctioneer. Uh, not all auctioneers will charge for their time. Uh, bring us in, happy to do a walkthrough and give you my thoughts. Um, just, you know, take some notes, tuck it away. And when you're ready uh, to uh, dispose of some of those things, then you'll have the resources. I share that information with clients all the time. My, my resource list, I'm happy to share. So um, I, you know, again, uh, auctioneers would probably be willing to come in, liquidators, just again, to have a, that, and you can state up front, hey, I just want to have a conversation. I just want a sense of it at this time. I think it's great. I personally think it's a great idea. I think um, we're all guilty of just constantly taking what's in our home and putting it in the basement because it's the easiest thing to do. And then as the years go on, we now have a basement full of stuff. I think if, if you spent more time, you know, maybe figuring out what to do with these items later in life, you're going to have less to worry about. That's, yeah. yeah. And, and you, you know, that question actually sort of speaks to Gail's um, business uh, th that they offer is, is that if your mom is not like Lynn, who was just Linda, who was just on the discussion, if your mom is delaying and, you know, has healthcare crisis, and then you as an adult child are basically flying in from out of town and you've got to sort of, you know, liquidate the house and what have you, this is where you can just call one number and it's, it's done. I, you can see the value in the home buying service from that perspective. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming you get, you get clients like that, that are sort of. All, all the time. I'm okay. working with a gentleman right now whose um, sister-in-law lives in the area and his brother-in-law just passed and he lives in Hawaii and she's coming to live with him. 
And he said, I'm taking one flight in. I've told her to pack two bags and we're moving her in with us. And he has no interest in trying to work through this property and figure out what to do with everything and take care of it. So it's, yes, we deal with that situation all the time. Um, okay. And um, let's see, I have to check myself, Tom. Uh, if you want to, I've been babbling nonstop here. If you want to jump on any of those uh, questions. Yeah, there was one question to follow up with Donna when she talked about pick a room. Um, there's got to be one area of the house, Donna, that is easier to start than another one. Is it the basement where nobody uses or is it the family room that you're there every day? Do you have any little more insight on that? I just want the client to um, be excited about starting. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't want to say the kitchen would be easier than the bedroom. Certainly, if you want to start in a room that you don't have a lot of stuff in and get that cleared out, that particular room, and it's typically a bedroom, can be used for staging of things as you're going through this whole uh, house process of downsizing. So in that particular room, get out the few things that are in there and start staging the room for things you want to keep, things you want to sell, uh, give to charity, that sort of thing. But, you know, if my client is not excited about starting in the basement, then I'm going to sit down with them and say, what, where would you like to start? Is, is it the, the kitchen? Maybe you're no longer into baking like you used to. Do we need to start talking about getting rid of some of the bakeware or how about your cookware? Uh, those are the kinds of conversations I would have. Um, maybe it's the family room where you have all these, um, you know, VCR tapes, but your VCR is broken. So why don't we start in the family room and start addressing that library of sorts um, so I wouldn't say, you know, that um, one room is easier than another. Sure. Um, I think it really depends on the client and the client's perspective. It could be a room that appears to be very easy and yet it might hold some uh, memories, you know, for the client, like in the closet, a particular um, spare bedroom closet, you open it up and you see uh, you know, maybe I'm working with a widow and everything in the closet belonged to her deceased husband. And that becomes a very difficult uh, project then. So I, I think I would sit down and, and start a conversation to see what the client is thinking and then oh, help God. them navigate, help them navigate. Once I have a better understanding of this, their thoughts and the situation. This is great. Easier, but... <laughs> Yeah, this is great. Once again, I, I glance at the clock and it's one o'clock. So we uh, we usually like to have these uh, discussions wrap up in an hour. I've got a few more. Um, uh, well, I want to make sure everybody knows that um, this the recording of this will be posted this afternoon. And I've had several requests to have the chat transcript. So I always copy that and make sure it's right underneath the recording there. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, it looks like Linda has her hand raised again. Let me um, see if she's got another question or comment because uh, she had such a good one before. Linda, 
if you wanted to ask another question, turn your mic on there. Uh, otherwise, I'll turn it back to our panel. And if you would like to share any final remarks, uh, I've, I've added everybody's contact information, email addresses so you can contact our panel members. Any sort of closing thoughts that you guys would like to close on? Uh, I just appreciate the opportunity to be here, Steve. Thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to share. And uh, I'm available if anyone would like to call to continue the conversation, happy to do so. Great. And it's it's I, not I, an easy process, it, the downsizing. It, exactly. I was just going to say, this is very difficult um, for many seniors to, to leave their homes. And I think there's a lot of resources out there for them. Um, and I think it's important that they use the resources that are out there to help them transition through this. Great. Yeah, I think um, I think it's important to plan if you can plan ahead. I think that's going to be a very good friend of yours. Um, if you can set out a timeline, that's going to work for you. I understand that there are a lot of situations where people don't have the opportunity to plan these things out because they just get dropped in their laps. They get dropped in the kids' laps. But um, I would say just find a circle of professionals such as us and, and start using us as a resource to help you get to where you need to be. You know, um, RH Levin says, very helpful info. Thanks so much. Looking forward to viewing this again. I feel less stressed already. I think those of us that are in this field because we hear these discussions so often um, don't realize that there's, we know that there's lots of resources and people to talk to you. And I'm delighted, uh, RH, that you joined this discussion because I can imagine if this is something on your mind and you've never had an open discussion with people about it, um, that it just accumulates. And so Tom, this is her comment, uh, I, 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 or his or her comment is, um, uh, really validates the benefit to having these open forums like this. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'd like to uh, thank the panel for spending uh, the last hour with you guys and, and coming on with us. And Steve, thanks for all your effort and time uh, putting all these together. I do appreciate it. Okay, everybody. Uh, once again, thanks to the audience. Uh, we'll have this up this afternoon with all the chat information. So don't worry about that. And um, we'll see you at the next discussion. Thank you. Thank you all. It was a pleasure. Everybody. Thanks. Take care.